Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? Well, I'm back from vacation, back at the work again, and mm-hmm. uh, I miss it. I had a great time last week. Yeah, give us a rundown about your vacation. Mine, mine was great. Uh, you talked a little bit about it while we were on, but just give the kind of final review and and plug for people who might be interested in Ridgecrest. Can they still go yeah. this summer? Yes, they can. It's it's all the way through the end of July. So we've got about three weeks left. You still got time to book. There's only a three-night minimum, I think it is. Uh, so if you want to go over for maybe a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night and you know come back on Sunday, kind of leave on Thursday afternoon, come back Sunday evening, you can do that. Uh, so it's, it's just a, we had such a good time. There's so much to do. They've got stuff all the time during the day. There's so many options. If you have younger kids, I I really think it, it appeals really to kids between, I would say four and 12. So that, that's kind of the window that's like, it's perfect for, I mean, it's, it's cool for teenagers or whatever, but you know, there's stuff that is like specifically geared around the younger kids. Uh, but there's also some great stuff for adults. There's stuff for teenagers too. I mean, like we did trap shooting. I shot, I shot skeet at this thing. They yeah. gave me a gun and let me shoot skeet, and I did it, and it was fun. Even my wife shot skeet, and and the rifle as well. I, I put up a couple of videos of that. So we did riflery, we did skeet shooting, horseback riding. We played in the lake. They had the pool. They have pool parties. They have late night movies at the pool. Uh, they have family Olympics, which we won, by the way, champions of our week. Um, there, I mean, there's just some, they have some programs and some skit type right. things Let's, that are can, fun. Can, so can, it's fun. Yeah. Can we back up to the Olympics? Cause I, I want to mention, I, you, you said that last week and yes. I told Keith, I said, I need a plaque, the, by the way, or a trophy. I said the Howe family won the family Olympics. And I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this. He, he said, um, I didn't know that Jonathan was super athletic that hurts. That hurts, Keith. To, to which I said, well, you need to hear what some of the events were in the Olympics. <laughs> and so can you just tell us very quickly, run down what the Olympic events were? All right. So the ones that I excelled in, the Olympic trivia, the mad gabs. So it's like, you know, the, the words that are written all funny that make a phrase that's not right. written there. And we knocked those out, bang, bang. And then also the Oreo eating from your forehead to your mouth which I'm a pro at. I don't know why, but I've just always excelled at that. And uh, a couple other things. So like, so the archery was basically throwing uh, balls at cups, you know, stacks of cups, right. knocking them down, those kind of things. Um, the gymnastics was uh, walking across a, a balance beam, basically with chopsticks and marshmallows, like yeah. having to get marshmallows into the cup with chopsticks. Right. Right. Um, and there's a there's a, a little cheat code on that because you just have to, you can only use the chopsticks. It doesn't say you have to use them like chopsticks. You can load them up by just poking the marshmallows. So ah, uh, okay. That would probably well, be a little bit more difficult if you had to use like pecans or walnuts that you couldn't right. poke with the marsh. You know, poke with right. the sticks. So uh, you know, it's not cheating. It's just being smart. Um, so it's a little so bit different. Like it's it's a little different than it's the not standard quite Olympics. The um, the decathlon. Let's just put it that way. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for thanks for clearing that up. I'll answer those questions for him. So yeah, but it was fun. We had a great time. So highly recommended. I talked about it last week, but also good to be back in the office working this week. 
and uh, getting after it. So it's been a good week, uh, kind of a slow week. It's July, which is typically slow here in the SBC. But uh, you're back from vacation as well. You were at the lake. Everything went well with that, I guess. Excellent. It's great. All right. So let's jump into this news week this week. Some slow news, but some big news from the Supreme Court, Amy. Yeah, this was really big. So this is the time of year where decisions come down from the Supreme Court of the United States. And so June and uh, moving into July, people are always watching. But there were a lot of cases that were of greater interest to us and to other other religious groups. So there were two rulings on Wednesday that were, uh, both of them were seven to two. And they reaffirmed that churches and religious organizations are free to make employment and health insurance decisions based on their convictions. Uh, so one ruling was where uh, they they reiterated support for a ministerial exception that would let churches or religious organizations hire and fire based on beliefs. Um, so this they had already ruled unanimously on this before. But it, you know, had had come up again. There were two Catholic schools in Los Angeles that were part of this case. Um, So they held that seven to two. And then the other one was about the rights of employers with religious or moral objections to the Obamacare abortion and and contraception mandate. This was the little sisters of the poor. We've talked about that case here on the podcast before. So it's been seven years. Some of these cases, and I know of other cases that go for very, very long time. So cases that go before the Supreme Court can last a really long time. But something very interesting in this was that one of the cases, in the opinion from Justice Samuel Alito, he actually quoted from the amicus brief that the... ERLC had submitted. So that was kind of cool. So Southern Baptist, yeah, yeah Southern Baptist I've got a shout been out. I've in the Supreme Court, neither of you, but that, that'd be kind of neat. Yeah, that was kind of cool and a uh, good representation there. This is definitely uh, of great interest to Southern Baptists, even though the cases were not uh, Southern Baptists, they were still ones that have implications. Absolutely. So, um, but those were good. I mean, we've had a couple of court cases that had gone kind of the other way on the religious liberty front the past couple of weeks. So it was good to see these uh, kind of go in this direction. And even like you mentioned with that seven to two margin. So uh, a quite right. a decisive decision. And and in what you just said, I, there's a good distinction to point out that some of the cases in the last few weeks that have been concerning to us what we've been concerned about has been the the implications of those decisions for religious liberty, like the potential implications that can come. What's encouraging about this is that when actual like direct questions of religious liberty came before the court, they still in the end, they ruled in favor. Now that doesn't mean our concerns are not valid from a few weeks ago. I think we can see the potential, uh, logic or slippery slope that it could go in and we have to begin preparing to argue sort of on the you know in the new reality for what religious liberty looks like and why it still exists and how so we have to be prepared to argue for that but the one sort of encouraging thing is that when faced with actual direct questions about explicit questions of religious liberty the court 
continues to rule in ways that that do protect that. So I think that was really good. Also very encouraging that it was a seven to two vote in both cases. Uh, That's good too. Yes, absolutely. All right. So over to NAM, where uh, just a feature story this week at Baptist Press about their new journeyman program. So uh, there are currently 12 NAM journeyman missionaries either on the ground or in the pipeline throughout North America. Many of you recognize the name journeyman. This is actually designed and named after the program for college graduates that the International Mission Board has had for more than 50 years. That program started back in 1965, so about 55 years ago, the IMB Journeyman program was started. Uh, Because of the partnership with IMB and NAM through Send Relief, NAM is now also doing this uh, and the Journeyman program. It's a fully funded two-year missionary service as part of Send Relief and Send Cities and throughout Send Relief Ministry centers throughout North America. So uh, all journeymen serve in evangelism, discipleship, and church planting specific responsibilities, and those vary depending upon the location. So if you're interested in the journeyman program through NAM, you can find out more over at the uh, the Baptist Press article as well as the NAM website. So it's good to see that. And, and you know, two-year program fully funded for you to go and do compassion ministry, evangelism, discipleship, church planting, those kind of things through Send Relief and North American Mission Board here in North America. So uh, neat to see that program get off the ground. And also, uh, kind of, you know, we spoke earlier about Ridgecrest. Usually at the end of July, Lifeway hosts the Black Church Leadership and Family Conference. It's always like kind of like that last week of July. Well, because of COVID 19 this year, not going to be in person, but you can watch for free through Lifeway's Digital Pass. Yes, yeah, so this year at the Black Church Leadership and Family Conference, uh, lots of speakers, Christina Zimmerman, Michael Pig, Mark Croston, Curtis Woods, James McCarroll, Darren Edwards, Ben Mandrell, Adron Robinson, uh, Executive Committee member, uh, Fred Luter, and the Whosoever Will Virtual Choir, so that should be really cool. Oh, that'd and- be neat. Yeah, and Brianna's Mitchell. So uh, they have over 20 tracks with 10 to 20 new classes daily. Um, so for for something that is, you know, ha- has to switch to virtual, I think it's going to be a really great, great event. So not just the plenary talks. I mean, you know, it's going to be like all the breakouts and everything like that, too. So a lot in that one. And I would encourage folks to take a peek at that. A lot of uh, good friends of the pot involved in that this year as well as every year. Good to see that happening. We'll have a full recap as well on Baptist Press after that is over, but you can participate through Lifeway's Digital Pass for free. Some news from the IMB, they are urging caution uh, while also encouraging sustained commitment to missions. So overseas missions travel for the remainder of 2020 with the threat of spread of COVID-19 remaining unknown. They are really monitoring local situations overseas and, and kind of cautioning Southern Baptists. This is just something that they want to send out anyone that's considering overseas missions travel for the rest of the year to really look. Lots of countries are still requiring quarantines, haven't opened their borders, could be unexpected circumstances, could even be issues coming back into the U.S. And so they are monitoring everything, monitoring local situations, things that that for people on the field. But they also just want to send a message back to churches who typically, you know, have full slates of short-term trips 
that they really need to look into some of these things. They also give some ways to stay engaged in missions, virtual mission trips like the South Asia Affinity, um, the Stateside Summer Initiative that has some online opportunities through the IMB student team, as well as the uh, 175 Days of Prayer and other ways to sort of connect with the IMB. So this is a good a good thing to just think through. You know, we're having to adjust all kinds of things right now. How do we adjust our how do we adjust our engagement with international missions? Yes. So that's something I know a lot of people have uh, questions about and a lot of churches are struggling with uh, just how to how to navigate that because summertime big time for overseas mission trips and stuff. So a lot going on with COVID-19 that makes it all the more challenging. Just highlight a couple of things here at the end. Uh, churches, we, we've been seeing churches being singled out, things like that, by state and local governments for causing spreads. You know, there was a New York Times article this week. We've had a couple in Arkansas and Kentucky uh, th- that have responded to that. So we're seeing some responses from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, as well as from Herschel York, good friend of the pod, up in Kentucky. So there's a couple of stories in Baptist Press about that. I know pastors across the country are are really having to navigate that line of civil obedience as well as just you know wanting to have worship as quote-unquote normal as possible, uh, especially out in California where they're, they're claiming that churches aren't able to sing during worship. So there's a lot going on, a couple stories. We're trying to get as much as we can at Baptist Press for that. So uh, if you want to check out the story on Arkansas and Kentucky, those are available online at baptistpress.com. And finally, Amy, some news from your neck of the woods. Bruce Ashford has stepped down from his position at Provost. He's going to remain at the seminary at Southeastern and in a teaching role as a professor of faith and culture. And the new acting provost, uh, someone you know well, Keith Whitfield. He will return to his role as acting provost. Remember, Keith served in that role in 2019 when Dr. Ashford was on sabbatical. So, Amy, we just want to pass along to Keith that we were wishing him all the best in his new role. I will. That's uh, I don't know what else to say. So, (laughs) yes. Well, yes. So you have a favorite provost now, I guess. Yeah, I'm supposed I'm supposed to be neutral, I suppose, uh, with having six institutions. But I think that the other five will uh, they'll understand. Will, will, they'll, they'll give me that um, you know that that flexibility, that latitude to have a favorite. So yes, yes, probably so. All right, well, that's going to do it for our news this week, and bring me to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history, Amy. Blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1967. And this was just something that was really interesting to me. So there there had been a meeting between President Lyndon Johnson and the Russian premier at the time, Alexei Kosygin. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But anyway, uh, there's a story about how they had had their recent meeting, which, of course, this is back, you know, right in the thick of the Cold War. So it would have been a a really big deal anytime those meetings are happening. And it said uh, that the meeting was placed on an unusual prayer list by a well-known Baptist. This is something interesting that I did not realize, and maybe I should have known this, but Wallace Johnson, president of Holiday Inns of America, was a Baptist layman. He well, had we, been, should get, we should get discounts then. 
I know, right? He had been a member of the board of directors for the Home Mission Board, and he was an active churchman. And so, uh, but what he had done was put, please pray for Kosigan and Johnson on the marquees of like 850 Holiday Inns all over the country. That's cool. I know. Uh, but as a result, there is just kind of this whole story about uh, Wallace Johnson and some of his focuses on prayer that uh, that an article that had been in Guidepost magazine, things like that. So that was a real focus for him. But he was really well-known layman in the SBC, which I had no idea. And then was really taking his role as a leading businessman to encourage people to pray as they were on the road. And of course, this would have been when Holiday Inn was a really, really big deal. Um, and people would have seen those signs everywhere. But everyone was talking about this big meeting with the Russian premier. Um, and Southern Baptists and probably other people across the country were had been praying about it. And they were talking about it this week in SBC history. Wow. That is pretty incredible. And also, Amy, there's quite the humble brag in here from Wallace Johnson. Yes. Because he's talking about his his uh, prayer list. Yeah. He says, whether in Memphis or San Francisco or Rome, <laughs> I still use paper and pencil to write down concerns for prayer. I mean, like, that is that is right. epic right there. Way to drop that in there, man. He, yeah. He's like, or Rome. Whereas, whereas the rest of us might say, whether at home or at the office or at Starbucks. Yes. He just says, whether he in Memphis, Memphis, San, San Francisco, Fran, Rome, or Rome. So, yes. fantastic so, humble brag kind, right there. Kind I love of a big it. deal. This says, oh, yeah. Huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. This says that he was a salesman. And that by uh, that he had become one of the nation's leading contractors and business executives. That by 1945 he was building 3,000 homes a year, and had built a thousand homes every year since. And his firm had built the first Holiday Inn in 1952. Mm. So, anyway, I, w- I I need to I need to look up Wallace Johnson a little bit more and learn. But committed Baptist layman. Yeah. So Amy Kosigan served with Brezhnev. So if you think like the Brezhnev administration after Khrushchev, Kosygin was was with him. He was the, the okay. kind of the premier or whatever during that time. So okay. I'm not sure how that all works with the premier and whatever. But yeah, I, I don't understand Russian politics. Sorry. That Yeah, that's that's okay. That, that can be a new project that you take on. Well, it says that Kosygin and, and Brezhnev succeeded Khrushchev as premier and first secretary. So it sounds like they split the job and they had a Troika, which is a three person leadership group with Kosygin, Brezhnev and Podjorny, who was the chairman of the presidium of the Supreme Soviet. I, I don't know what that all means, but anyway, it looks like they went from one guy to three guys and he was one of the three guys with Brezhnev and Podgorny. So, We'll just go with that, and if any of our readers have a PhD yeah. in Russian no, history no, and looking. the Cold War, I'm, yeah, I'm looking. So <laughs> it so it was kind of a collective leadership. So Khrushchev, yeah. a troika had yeah. Khrushchev had taken there was a general secretary role, and Khrushchev had taken uh, the role and named it first secretary, sort of reestablished it. He's replaced by Brezhnev, who was part of collective leadership with Premier Kosygin. 
And then it was renamed General Secretary of the Communist Party. That's what then it's Brezhnev and Dropov, Chernenko, and then Gorbachev. Yeah. Which the is, leaders is that we, we would think of as the leaders of Russia. Right. That's like the general secretary of the Communist Party. That's sort of who, who they were. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Kosygin was part of this collective leadership group. He's meeting with Lyndon Johnson. So, very big deal. Yeah. Huge deal. So, all right, Amy, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Your resource of the week is? Um, mine is a virtual conference. And it is for healthcare professionals. Um, and it's about healthcare missions and the, the IMB. So it's sort of a, it's a one day, it's, it's a one day event, or I guess Friday evening and Saturday morning and afternoon. Um, it's got, uh, Paul Chitwood and other IMB leaders as well as some Q&A panels, things like that. And it's to really focus on how you can play your part in that, uh, the mission to sort of help with healthcare needs. Uh, there's there's one, uh, one event on Friday evening, August 7th, that's on healthcare missions, the IMB's commitment. Then Saturday morning, there's a presentation on sharing the gospel and starting churches through healthcare missions. And then finally, there's one on Saturday afternoon, August 8th, about praying, giving, and going, ways that you can play a part in the in the mission. And this is something, remember, one of our best interviews that we did with the Hans. Um, that's what Heidi Hahn does. That's, that's you know, she, oh. that's sort of her role. She's a, a doctor there. That's a major part of what the IMB does as well. Um, there's a full story. And uh, one person that will be a part of this is Dr. Rebecca Naylor, who is probably the most well-known of IMB personnel in the medical field. And so uh, just really cool. And you can go ahead and uh, you can go ahead and register now for it. It'll be August 7th and 8th. So I'm going to throw in the show notes the registration link as well as the full release from the IMB with details about the event. So this is it doesn't have to be just for healthcare professionals because this talks about how we can pray, give, and go, you know, to help even for those of us who are not. Absolutely. All right. My resource of the week is an interview I did earlier this week on Facebook with David Spica. So we'll put the link into that. So David Spica from Guidestone joined me and we discussed our monthly market update. Got all the information about stocks and uh, Austrian bonds. We talked about 100-year Austrian bonds this week, Amy. I know that is some enthralling stuff for you. Uh, yes. You're a big fan of that. You, you know, Nobody loves Austrian bonds like Amy Whitfield. Uh, so we, we discussed uh, a lot of different things. So if you're wondering how COVID is playing into the markets and maybe your retirement or uh, maybe you have a, a recent college graduate, we even talked about this, college graduates trying to find jobs in this job market and stuff like that. So in the unemployment rates, uh, we talked about a lot of that and also the uh, the PPP funds. Uh, so we discussed quite a bit in our 20 to 5 to 30 minutes on Tuesday that we uh, we talked. So I'll put a link into that. So that's always great. I really enjoy our monthly market update with David Spica that we've been doing for the last few months. So looking to continue that. Really appreciate his time for that. And I learn something every month. So David's, uh, he educates as well as informs along the way. So uh, do check that out over at the Baptist Press Facebook page. That's the monthly market update with David Spica. All right, Amy, that's going to do it for our show this week. Kind of hit those uh, slow summer days, uh, trying to get geared up. We got our our 
school information for the fall this week. And yes. it's quite different. It, it it same here. Wake County released theirs as well. So yeah, uh, so there was an article. Time. Was it in the Biblical Recorder this week about the? Uh, no, I don't think it was a Biblical Recorder, but it was something about uh, homeschooling in North Carolina and how that is like taking off. Like there are thousands and thousands of people who are signing up for homeschooling because of everything going on. So I, I do wonder what the homeschool market's going to look like in the future because of COVID nineteen. It's like the um, the biggest growth point for homeschooling in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week. We appreciate you tuning in to us each and every week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.